jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay Here we are, August continueth apace. Ugh. As they say. Yeah, they all say that. Who says that? No. <laughs> Does anyone actually say that? <laughs> No. What, what phrase book did just, you borrow from <laughs> antiquity? <laughs> I just wanted to feel less alone for a minute. Is that all right? Oh, no, well, now I sound like an asshole. Well. Man, I hate August. August is the worst. It truly sucks. It's just like, you know, we had to deal with pride and constant reinforcement of our validity as people and ugh. Uh, uh. <laughs> and then we had to deal with a whole wacky doodle month of revenge yeah and now it's just month. like it was the best month but it was also kind of hot you know yeah <laughs> and yeah. now now it's just like this uh, just slugging through slugging through until it's september and then it's what the end of the heat death end of the world already after that just about, yeah. That's but then it's Halloween time. <gasps> oh my god, it is Halloween time. It'll be October time, which will be our one year anniversary is October, right? Isn't oh, it? that's creeping up. Yeah, we're getting old. Oh, we're gonna be old enough to um to to go in the, the little the little thing that you put baby in with the feet and you, you push yourself around with the feet like a Flintstone. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? A car? Yeah, no! <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get a Flintstone car. <laughs> that would be fun. No, Oh, uh, I know what you mean, and it's got a tray for food. Yeah, and they used to have that commercial where it go... Like, with that song. Oh, no. It's in Hocus Pocus when Kathy Najimy goes into um the director of Princess Diaries' house. Holy shit. What's his name? What? Penny Marshall's husband? Gary Marshall? Gary no, Marshall. That's her, that's her brother. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought they were married. No, that's her brother. That's how she got on Laverne and Shirley, because that was one of his shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I accidentally... Uh, wow. I accidentally did the incest ship there. That's disgusting. You know what? Don't you yuck my yum. Uh, that is a yum I will yuck. If I want Penny and Gary... <laughs> God rest their souls. I can go no farther with this. Why you gotta put me with my brother? <laughs> Penny! <laughs> oh, gosh, she just appeared to me in my in uh, my wing of the stately Gaylord's Manor. Wow, Penny. She's back from the grave to set this injustice right. We we just have a whole collection, a whole menagerie of, of formative female filmmakers <laughs> haunting us. <laughs> well, it makes sense. I never fucked my brother, all right? <laughs> okay, all right. Wow, Penny. Oh, well, you're right, Penny. Wow. Penny, while you're here, I love Jumpin' Jack Flash so much. Thank you for... Oh, she faded away. Oh, no. She just... Look at that. Oh, she left a little of the... 
Ectoplasm. I was going to say Ethernet, but ectoplasm is the right word. Uh, she might have left via Ethernet. You never know. She could. Yeah, she could have been uh, summoned back into the... Back to the cloud. Back to the cloud to American Love Online. <laughs> uh, well, as you can hear, listeners, August is not the kindest month. No, (laughs) we hallucinate ghosts of influential women. Do you got any upfront business? Stacey, that's disgusting. (laughs) Hey, uh, sweet thing, you got some upfront business for me? (laughs) What film noir did I just wander into? (laughs) She walked into my office, upfront business everywhere. (laughs) (sighs) no i got i got nothing except uh you know i'm i'm just i'm just waiting for the next uh the next horror releases to come out you know like i want to see that i want to see this the the scary kids movie oh the tales scary tales from the scary crypt yeah (laughs) yeah for tykes for tykes, for tots. Because listen, Lana Del Rey did that season of the witch song for it that I love. That's right. yeah, you, so you, you sent have it to, to me. I did send it to you. I, was I like, thought you would have said, thank you, I've gotten this 50,000 times today. But no, I was first. Yeah, I edited myself for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for that little nice lie. <laughs> no, you introduced me to it. And I said, Stacy, Stacy motherfucking ponder. Right. Uh, just like you introduced me to, and everyone should know about this, uh, beautiful, gorgeous, perfect Anya from oh Thelma. Oh my God. A beloved film, which many of our listeners encountered for the first time thanks to your recommendation. Love Thelma. Love Thelma, people. Love Thelma. Now that's the, <laughs> that's the American remake. That's the love Simon I need. <laughs> yeah. Any, someone threatens to <laughs> out her and she just disappears them. <laughs> under the ice <laughs> oh yeah it's yeah a very different film but anya uh has a a band with her girlfriend because she's super gay yeah man and it's yeah called... well she's she's a singer she's done her own uh thing like singer songwriter stuff but now she's doing this electronic project with her girlfriend yeah which is great i love her songs like her iud song is amazing yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, she's a weirdo. Oh, she's so fucking weird, and it's amazing. But this electronic stuff, like you were saying, it's just like, uh, gets you moving. It's catchy. Some like art faggy, like gets you, gets you bopping, you know. So yeah, how do people find that? What's it called? It's they're like rrr rrr the rrr Scandinavian O. I don't know what that's called. It's Probably like a weird o. o with a slash. The o with a, it's like yeah, like you'd see it and you think no o's, but it's actually just an o. That's how they. <laughs> it's a r, Swedish o r roar Listen, we love our Swedish listeners, even though we constantly make fun of Swedish people. I mean, <laughs> we are so here for our Swedes. They're our biggest demographic. So. For real, which is amazing. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, look them. I don't know. Maybe I'll post a link on our Facebook page. If, yeah. Do you follow us on the Facebook Gaylords of Darkness? Facebook Gaylords of Darkness. Yeah. You can find us on there. You can message us on there. You can send us DMs. You can send us listener questions. You can also uh, rate and review us on there, too. 
That's true. It's nice. I know everybody hates Facebook because Facebook fucking sucks. Because Facebook is literally killing us all. Um, but we do engage with the community sometimes in terms of like we ask a question. <laughs> is that our t- is that our is that our patting ourselves on the back T-shirt? We do engage oh. with the community sometimes. <laughs> I'm trying to lure people. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay. So, like, sometimes we ask for a suggestion or this kind of thing. So, if so, if you're like, no, but I never use Facebook. It's, I'm not saying it should be enough to get you to sign up for it or to even get back on or to, you know what? Never mind. Fucking suck, fuck Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done the classic Stacy Ponder one-two loop. <laughs> We started out enthusiastic, and now we're fully nihilist. Well, it's awful. Playing our violin as Facebook burns. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we're there, right? So that's August. (laughs) This is why people listen to Gaylords, for the hot scoops. For the hot, structured content. Last week, we had our first uh, commercial break. We did. We did. In this, I, I don't want to call it Gaylords 2.0, but, you know, inserting commercials, it's a new Gaylords, right? Like, we have sponsors now. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're inserting those commercials all up into our uh, upfront business. Upfront business. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I like more than sticking a commercial into some upfront business. <laughs> wow! <laughs> See, what if my voice sounded like that? You'd think everything I said was dirty. <laughs> and was said by Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda Vaccaro the pervert. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Once I stick this commercial in here, it's gonna... Put an end to the upfront business. <laughs> and then it'll be time for the backdoor shenanigans. <laughs> Movie producing is about making creative choices more creatively. And cocaine. Lots and lots of cocaine just lines for days, baby. Yeah! When I was alive, people would ask me, Hey, D-Dog, what's it take to make a movie? Okay, so nobody ever called me D-Dog, but I sure wanted them to. And no one ever asked me about making movies, but I sure wanted them to. My work and contributions to horror went unrecognized for years! But I got film production tips and tricks coming out of everywhere, baby! And I wanna give them to you! I'll teach you all about cocaine, wage inequality, vans, creative pioneering, uncredited collaboration, TV and VCR repair, and more cocaine. Wow! Producing is in art form. Like when we made Halloween, I told John Carpenter, I says to him, JC, baby, I'll write all the girls' shit, 
and you can do 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 on your little synthesizer. And he said, you got it, D-Dog, or something like that. I, yeah! You see, John Carpenter is a carpenter, and Jesus was also a carpenter. So that makes me the Da Vinci Code, I guess. Yeah! I'm Deborah Hill, and this is my master class. Bye-bye. Well, see? I mean, who doesn't want to sponsor this content? Listen, we just made five cents right We just there. made, like, five cents, and that will pay for one parsec of broadband? I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how you buy internet in the future. <laughs> You buy it by broadband parsec. Anyway, uh, that's enough of the that that that's enough of that, right? August man, <laughs> it's really taking its toll. It's taking its toll. We're only halfway through. So Listen, cool. it's hot. Yeah, it is hot. Speaking of hot, uh, yeah. let's talk. We're gonna we have movies to talk about. That's there's nothing hot about that. There's nothing hot about it. <laughs> Not even of the Paris Hilton I'm variety. Try, that's, I'm trying to get the audience excited. Oh, oh, you're revving them up. I'm revving them up. Yeah, you're, uh, Flu- I'm fluffing them. You're, you're, well, okay. <laughs> so that first movie? Uh, the first movie, yeah. Uh, a little something from 1981 called Bloody Birthday. Holy fucking bonkers bejesus. What the shit? Where was I? Oh, you had, yeah, you'd never seen it before. Where? What? No, I, I historically, I famously said when we were putting this on the docket, I was like, oh, I've seen that. And then I thought, and then I realized I've seen Happy Birthday to Me, which I conflated with Bloody Birthday. However, just in title alone. Yeah. However, I would like everyone to know that while I am so behind in all films ever made, and I had not seen Bloody Birthday, I did own the enamel pin. <laughs> That's awesome. So there. That's more than I have. Yeah. So see, even though you have the experience of knowing the thing, at least I purchased the product. Hmm. That's like in eighth grade when I bought a butthole surfers pin to put on my jacket. I had never listened to the butthole surfers. (laughs) I just wanted a pin that said butthole surfers. It's, I mean, it's a great name. It's a great name, right? Did you ever? And it's exactly what like an eighth grade would, eighth grader would. (laughs) An eighth grade. (laughs) Just the entire eighth grade. It's exactly what an eighth grader would, you know. Respond a rebellious, to. a rebellious eighth grader. Oh yeah, I tried listening to them once, and I was like, eh. Yeah, that's not for me. Yeah, it, it didn't work for me. No. The pin sure was. Oh yeah. I that could be outing myself as a poser. I don't know. Listen, I just outed myself as a poser. I got the pin, but I ain't seen the movie. That's true. Also, in eighth grade, I shaved. I got like a mohawk, and. This was like unheard of, you know, at the time. Oh wow! Stacey. In this in this school, and so people were like, "What's with your hair?" And so I just told them that I had a disease, and all the hair fell out on the side, <laughs> and it just conveniently <laughs> looks like a mohawk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, the things we do as children. The things we do when we're not busy murdering our entire city slash family. 
<laughs> and friends. Bloody Birthday, a movie about sociopathic children, horniness, and astrology. Oh, thank God. All of and my all of my interests. All of my interests. They're all under my special skills on my <laughs> resume. <laughs> on your C V. On my C V. Yeah. <laughs> And I can drive a standard. Oh, see, that's going to get you the gig. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bloody Birthday. What a film. 1981, uh, one of the greatest years horror has ever seen. A pretty legendary year. You shared uh, a whole bunch of movie posters from that year. It's insane how many horror, like not even great ones, but yeah, great ones, but also just how many horror movies came out that year. Like, okay, when we did our listener question a couple episodes back on like our top horror movies from those five year periods where horror sucked. Yeah. Like even in those five years, there were less movies each than in the entire assemblage of the horror movies from 1981 that you posted the other day. And that wasn't nearly all of them either. No. And they're all like, they're all gems. Yeah. (laughs) Like all of them. (laughs) Yeah. Just great, great. Like 1977 is another good year. Yes. Yes. 2008 is a great year. Mm -hmm. There's a couple. It's very strange how there's just a few years that are just chock-a-block full. Yeah. A year that's like Christmas all year long for a horror fan. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those films was Bloody Birthday. Man, I'm sure you could make Bloody Birthday today, but it could would you? not fly. <laughs> like, it's... this film would not fly today at all. No, I mean, the kids are completely irredeemable, right? There's like... Yeah, literally irredeemable. And then there's all the layers of, like, sleaziness on top of it. Mm-hmm. And the, the like, the kids are... Like everyone, like you said, there's horniness in this movie. The kids are little weird horn dogs, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like little shitty creepy kids are. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my God, I love this movie. Yeah. I truly. I was. Just, Isn't it great? I fucking <laughs> love this movie, and I have to say, um, this is one too where there is a gorgeous Arrow Video Blu-ray of it that just the presentation is spectacular. So. Watching this and, like, that beautiful, restored everything, Mm -hmm. I I was just taken. I was taken to another place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, the kids are, like, just actual sociopaths. There is nothing redeeming at all from beginning to end about these kids. No. There's no, it's it's just because they're, they're three kids who were born on the same day, like, in the same minute. As a full eclipse. A total eclipse of total and Of their hearts, really. Yes. Total solar eclipse uh, on the same, like, minute. In 1970, these three kids were born. And because, like, the sun and is the house of Scorpio or something. Saturn. Saturn. Uh, Saturn was blocked by the sun and the moon. Because, yeah, 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 Because yeah. of the eclipse. And Saturn manages feelings yes the emotions and so their emotions are blocked and so they are just absolute sociopaths with no conscious no regard for other people no unlike the new cool sociopaths today that get netflix series where they're like i'm a sociopath (laughs) (laughs) talking to a sociopath yeah (laughs) yeah 
no, these kids are just like the entire movie is just about if it's not like boobs because it's a horny part, uh, then it's the kids trying to kill someone, killing someone or disposing of the body of the person they just killed over and over over and over and over over again. (laughs) They're constantly trying to kill people. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's a Curtis. Who's the, the ringleader, perhaps. Who is also um, in Superstition. Yes, the great Billy Jacoby. Who is a tiny little man in this movie with his with his his glasses and his, like, suits. Yeah. <laughs> and watching yeah. him run around with a gun that's the size of his head <laughs> through the yeah. entire movie. Yeah, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, the Jacoby brothers. Uh, Billy here and Scott, who was in Bad Ronald, mm-hmm. and the little girl who lives down the lane, co-starring Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Um, can't love the early '80s, late '70s genre movies without loving them. Yep. So there you go. Uh, so that's Curtis, Debbie, Debbie, <laughs> the girl of the group who has a, who's really into scrapbooking her kills she i lost my mind when it was revealed that she has a full like red dragon style killer scrapbook (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. that she keeps in her clubhouse (laughs) yeah she keeps in her clubhouse and she's got a she cut a peephole in the wall so that she can charge people to come over and watch her older sister take her clothes off. She literally charges 25 cents to look through the people and she is running an entire scheme off of this. Yeah. Little Debbie with her little blonde curls. Yep. <laughs> little angel face Debbie. And uh, there's Steven who honestly doesn't get a lot of screen time. No, he's just kind of... He's just kind of the third wheel. You would say, like, he would be the muscle, but he's not. He's just, he's just there to drool as he stabs people. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's literally just, they're all, it's 10 years, out, like, they're turning 10, and for some reason, it's not explained, like, were the kids doing shitty things before this? Or is there something about their 10th birthday? Is this, like... A Saturn return kind of thing. Yeah, like an early Saturn return or something. Like an early Saturn return. And so who knows why their sociopathy is ramping up now, but it is. To our delight. To our delight, absolutely. Um, They kill strangers. People who are going to have sex in an open grave. (laughs) Listen, when you're a teenager in a small town, there's only so many things to do. That's true. So you go to an open grave and you canoodle. Yeah. That first, it's the first kill, like right in the opening moments of the film. These two horny teenagers go to the graveyard to do it. Uh, They end up in an open grave so that no one can see them. And then she is strangled to death with a jump rope. And he is beaten to death with a shovel. Like shovel to the face over and over and over and over. Yeah, and it's uh, our three little heroes who have done this. Thank you for recognizing that they're heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just, like, kill anybody who pisses them off or try to kill anybody who pisses them off. They try to kill anybody who has seen them doing something bad. Mm -hmm. They're very aware of who's seen what and who's talking about what when. Yes, yes. No mercy whatsoever. They kill Debbie's father. Like... 
immediately after, just because he's trying to figure out who has the jump rope. Right. That she just immediately kills him. <laughs> like, like it's no deal. Yeah, they beat him to death with a baseball bat. In their yard, in the middle of the day, while <laughs> the rest of the family is in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just beat dad to death. Beat him with a baseball bat, then drag his body to the stairs, put it next to a skateboard on the steps so it looks like he fell and beat himself to death on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess there was no autopsy or anything. No, they so. didn't do those back then. That's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, I mean, yeah, and, like, that's literally, like, the whole movie. Over There's and over. Over and over and over again. There's uh, their friend, what's his name, Timmy? Timmy, little Timmy. Little Timmy sees them, and so Timmy must get killed, and then the rest of the movie is kind of them trying in various ways to kill Timmy. Timmy's older sister, Joyce, kind of gets hip to it, gets hip that these kids, especially Curtis, are evil and tries to stop it. But everybody thinks she's crazy because yep. these are just angel-faced little children. Because she's a bitch. Because she's a bitch. <laughs> and, like, that's just the whole But it's so delightful to watch. It is such a joy. I saw some, I was looking up this movie after I watched it and I saw lots of reviews talking about like how, and I think maybe the new, the new restoration helps with this, but a lot of people were complaining about how grainy and shitty it looks in the old presentations, um, or how there's like no gore in this movie. Uh, I don't understand any of those critiques because it's, you, it's just so DIY and low budget, but like really beautifully made at the same time and really creatively done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's just it's such a joy throughout. <laughs> like, yeah, and it is all children, so there's going to be limits on things. Yeah, but it's but it, but the brutality is still there, even when it's just implied. And I mean, so much of it is just looking at these evil little shits' faces as they like smile straight into the camera. <laughs> yeah, like that's where yeah. the horror is in this movie. Yeah, it's just so much fun to watch. Like. It, yeah, absolutely. I had a blast with this one. Yeah. And honey, the cast. Oh my god, that cast! The cast is insane from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Joe Penny of television's Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't remember? <laughs> who doesn't love Joe Penny? Joe <laughs> Penny's in it for a scene. Susan Strasberg. Mm-hmm. Who has such a weird fucking career. Like... Susan Strasberg is the daughter of Lee Strasberg, who is super famous acting coach, like ran the actor's studio. If you've ever seen Inside the Actor's Studio on <laughs> PBS or whatever, like that's the actor's studio. He's who and- James Lipton is trying to be his entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Susan Strasberg was his daughter. And she just, like, she did a lot of TV, but then she did, like, Bloody Birthday and the fucking Manitou. And if you've never seen the Manitou, holy moly, are you in for an experience, I guess. I need to see that one. Jason's always talking about that one. It's insane. It's a William Girdler film, who, if you know William Girdler, he did Abby, he did uh, Grizzly. He just, like... Some great did, American international pictures. Yeah, just did in a very short career that was cut short by a helicopter accident. He just would go all out on his movies. And the Manitou is fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. 
So Susan Strasberg from that. She plays Viola Davis. Um, I my notes were screaming <laughs> at that point. <laughs> She's Miss Viola Davis. She's very much a precursor to um, uh, oh my God, Sparkle Motion. Um, Beth Grant in Child's Play Two here, like mm, yes, as yes, Miss yes, Viola yes. Davis, the the angry teacher, school teacher, yeah. very stern school teacher who yes. gets hers. <laughs> yeah. She gets shot in the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's uh, There's Jose Ferrer, Oscar winner. Yeah. In a very small role. There's also, I saw in the credits, Ellen Gear is in this. She was uh, Sunshine DeRay in Harold and Maude. Oh my God. What? Who is she in this? I don't know. Who, I have no, I didn't spot her during the movie. I just saw her name in the credits. I feel like so. I would have seen that underbite from a million miles away. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I say that with love. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know who she was playing, and I didn't recognize the character name. It was like Maud or something. Like I don't, I literally don't know who it was. Wow, I feel like I really would have seen her. That's nuts. Yeah, she's in it, and of course, of course, Michael Dudikoff. Is that who you're going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Michael Dudikoff, star of American Ninja and American Ninja 2, The Confrontation, and American Ninja 4, The Annihilation. He must have been busy for American Ninja 3. Yeah. Maybe he's busy, but he's just He's just like, uh, I mean, this is probably his first role or very early. Like, American Ninja movies are, like, so far down the, ro- the ladder of, like, do you know what I mean? I, Obviously, you have, like... I have like, no idea. <laughs> Tell me about American Ninja Stacy. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you have your like Bruce Lee movies or Jackie Chan movies or Chow Yun Fat or all that stuff is like top tier, right? Duh. Then you've got like Cynthia Rothrock. Who I love Cynthia Yeah. Rothrock. Especially when she teamed up with Michelle Yeoh. In, oh my uh, God. Can't remember what that one was called, but yeah. Then you have like, but the like she's part of like the American. But at least she likes. Oh my god, I'm getting excited. She actually like. <laughs> Stacy's getting the vapors. Studied this shit. I mean, it's just like, and then you go down the ladder. You know what I mean? Chuck Norris. Ugh. Steven Seagal. Yeah. Who like uh, karate chops and rolly chairs now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just lays down. <laughs> People come over and he waves at them and they fall <laughs> over. Yeah, so you keep going down the ladder. Uh, Jim Cotta, starring Kurt Browning, the American gymnast. It was mm. like anybody could make a ninja movie once upon a time. And I would just put American Ninja, despite the fact that there were at least four of them. I just would put it down the ladder so you'd know what you're getting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. I don't know where to put Ninja 3, The Domination. Oh, I'm well, that's a very special film. That's a very special film starring uh, starring Lucinda Dickey. Oh, yeah. Of Breakin', right? Or Breakin' 2. Uh, Breakin' and the sequel, man. Breakin' 2. <laughs> yeah, as like a, a telephone repair woman slash aerobics instructor slash ninja like, slash v8 enthusiast like any woman worth her salt you know <laughs> women can do it all baby and don't you forget it 
Anyway, I love a ninja movie, was the point of all that. But I suppose you were going to talk about Julie Brown. That's exactly who I was excited to talk about being in this movie. Yeah. Julie Brown. Not downtown. Not Julie downtown Brown. Julie Brown. Julie Brown, like, attacked five foot two woman. Medusa. Medusa. Uh, Queen of the Ice. Uh, oh, Homecoming yeah. Queen's got a gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Julie Brown is in this. Uh, dancing topless a lot. A lot. While she is the one with the closet peephole. Yes. And she's peeped at. Evil little Debbie's sister. I keep, here's the thing. Her name is Beverly in this film. Uh-huh. I keep wanting to call her Annie. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. Joyce, uh, played by Lori Lethen. Yeah. Joyce in this film, who is Timmy's older sister, there's some scenes, like there is a very Halloween moment in this film where Joyce meets up with Beverly and Joyce is wearing her like long, very like late 70s jean yeah. <laughs> it's very, she has a very Laurie Strode look going on. And then mm-hmm. Beverly shows up and Beverly's like her friends trying to get her to be a little bit more fun and laid back. And then their dad pulls, her dad, who is the sheriff, pulls the up sheriff. in the car and talks to them. And I was like, this is literally Laurie Annie and Sheriff Brackett right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're so, right. That's what I thought about that. <laughs> that you're absolutely right. Yeah, those jeans. This was the time of like velour shirts and Dorothy Hamildews and eighteen oh. year olds who could be thirty-five. Oh. And ten year olds who could be thirty-five. Everybody looked like little tiny adults. Kids wore gold chains. And suits. And suits. <laughs> Everyone and, like, is a tiny little adult in this movie. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so great. And those, everyone has that feathered mushroom hair. It's just, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. This it's is, so I was great. thinking about, like, when we were complaining about redoing the 80s and trying to capture those looks. They'll never get to, like, this. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. 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 Where the, it's like this period where the 70s were turning into something else. Yes. Everybody goes for, like, when, they talk, when they're like, oh, we're going to redo the 80s. It's like, it's definitely bumped up a few years. It's like 86 is kind of the prime. Yeah. Like, it's like, they just go for either the neon era or the pastel era. Yeah. But they don't go for the very early 80s morph era. <laughs> where yeah, it's when like it was, there was when still, it was still the 70s. 70s. Well, that's still like- the 70s. Every yeah. decade, basically, you know, how we remember it is really like the last three years slash the first year of the next decade. Yeah, yeah. That's like when you yeah. achieve peak decade look. Yeah, yeah. This period of time, I mean, if you told me that Debbie was, you know, a 35-year-old, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I believe it. She's a tiny little woman in a tiny little dress. <laughs> she wears ruffled blouses. Like, yeah. of course she is. She has her <laughs> calligraphy scrapbook. <laughs> yeah. With her, yeah. her newspaper clippings. Yeah. So it's just a really sort of depraved movie without being explicit. Like the violence isn't super explicit. Um, no. Like when they beat somebody to death with the shovel, it's not like the scene in Martyrs where you get a close up of the woman's head as, you know, she's getting beat with a hammer. Yes. Yeah. There's And there's no, you know? there's no heads flying off with buffet tables and banisters. Right, yeah, yeah. But it's not any less uh, discomforting, I guess. Like, one of the only gore effects is um, 
you know, there's an arrow to the eye. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the gore effect is really just like, I mean, it happens to, to Beverly and, and you just see Julie Brown have, like, she puts her hand in front of her eye and then they have a part of an arrow hanging out from her hand and then some blood on it. And that's like the, right. the whole gore effect. And that's like the most you get in the movie. But there is so much, there's such a sadistic streak and like a funny meanness to this movie mm-hmm. that it really, it doesn't need anything else. No, no, it doesn't need any more explicit like, violence. Just the concept of these kids being such little monsters. Like when they when they're playing with Timmy out at the junkyard and like you're kind of figuring out the dynamics, you're like, okay, maybe they're friends with Timmy because it's pretty early on in the movie. Maybe they aren't gonna kill him. Curtis invites Timmy to go hide with him in this fridge in a junkyard, <laughs> like an old timey industrial like freezer fridge monstrosity that locks from the outside. Uh, Curtis basically traps Timmy in there and Timmy there's like a really intense fucking scene of Timmy just trapped in this fridge and he's sweating his acting is actually great he really yeah. he sells the terror mm-hmm. um and that's just like just the claustrophobia and the sense of being trapped in this junkyard with shit kids that are trying to kill you is yeah. so intense you don't need makeup effects in that sequence or anything else other than that kid just struggling to get out of the fridge <laughs> yeah yeah, that's it. That's the thing is there's no redemption arc for these kids at all. There's, there's no, no comeuppance for them. No, there's no comeuppance, really. They, there's no redemption. There's no explaining it away. It's just they are sadistic, evil, emotionless little fucks. And they are going to kill everyone they possibly can, partially because they just like it and partially because they need to silence some people who got in their way. And that's it. And it is just such a fucking delight. And if like that kind of if that kind of thing vibe is something you like, then how could you not love this movie? Absolutely. You know, it's so good. It's really (laughs) it's it's such a delight. I love I love um, every house and interior in this film. Uh, The awful (laughs) green shag carpets. Um, yeah. The otherwise beautiful furniture and fixtures. Uh, <laughs> the looks are like Beverly. I mean, like we were, we were talking about how '80s classic people look, or seven, late '70s classic also people look. Um, Beverly is hot as hell when she's got that poofy hair that bounces everywhere, and she's in that like red, fully yeah. red outfit. Oh my! Fully red, every God. right down to her. Even her purse is red. Oh, I lost my mind like, when she that walked down that. And yeah, that is an outfit. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like that, it tells you a lot about that character too. Like as silly and minor as it is, it's like she put on that outfit. Mm -hmm. And also going off of that, that similar era, you know, um, we were coming off of the sixties and the seventies and the sort of new age movements that were, that were building up alongside ufology and all these things. Uh, and then, you know, Nancy Reagan, we were coming up on Nancy Reagan bringing an astrologer into the White House. Mm-hmm. That piece of shit, Nancy Reagan. But then, <laughs> yeah. and then they also like to flesh out even more of the story. Because this, really, this doesn't need an explanation. Like there's classic bad seeds in so much, so many films where it's just like, there's just evil kids. Something is wrong yeah. with them and that's terrifying. But I love that they bring in some more 80s-ness with this with Joyce and her obsession with astrology. 
Yeah. And throughout the movie, she's like doing charts for herself and for other people. Somehow she has Debbie's whole birth chart and does birth charts for the <laughs> evil children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that for our introduction to Joyce, where she's like sitting on the floor, she's got her model, her twirly model of the solar system. Yes. She's got all of her books about astrology at the ready. She's got her ruler and she's making charts and shit. And she's got her like mega-sized radio AMFM headphones on. Yes, and, her giant yellow headphones. And a headphones. can of 7 up. And I was like, oh, God, I want to be Joyce so bad. Oh, she's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love how she's just like a well-meaning nerd. Um, I love I love her thing for astrology. That Look at when she's... T- I can't remember who she's talking to, but she just totally outs herself as a giant nerd when she goes... Did you know the United States has a horoscope just like people? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was talking to Professor Joe Penny. Yes, 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 who, yes. That never, that never went anywhere. Like, they, like because he was like, I, I didn't know that, but this is very interesting. Why don't we meet and have a Coke later and talk about it? Oh, yeah. And then that never returned. That never returned. He didn't even show up later to, like, be a hero. There were actually, there were so many moments where it's like, now Timmy's going to go play catch with this other girl, even though he was just in this other scene. Like, <laughs> there's so many yeah. weird moments that just happen through editing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just, I love Joyce uncovering yeah. that these kids, that their Saturn is blocked by this eclipse and that there is something, something therefore is missing from them. And it turns out right. it's emotions. Yeah. <laughs> and just as as an astrology queen, and we talked about this a little before, but as, a, as an astrology yeah. queen who is conflicted over my obsession with astrology <laughs> because I'm yeah, it, such an agnostic. Yeah, it's not in line with anything else. Any, any of my other, like, prove it. Anytime yeah. I see someone who's like, astrology is just such... Like, when they went through that whole thing that our birth signs might change... Do you remember that? Like a couple of yes. years ago? Yes. And people were like, it doesn't matter anyway. Like what time of day d- dictates like what? And I'm like, but it's true. Haven't you read the birthday book? It's, Don't you know? It's all real. It's all real. <laughs> Have you ever dated a Scorpio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've read the Gemini description and it's so me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I believed it instantly when they said Beverly was a Scorpio. <laughs> It made perfect sense. That's how, because listen, she finds out that there's a peephole in her closet and her little shit sister is charging 25 cents a pop for a peek and she keeps the peephole. Yeah, she doesn't cover it up. She keeps the peephole and then dies via it. That's a Scorpio move. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, with I a love rising it. Leo. I like that it's such a thread in the film and so central to it and yet it also doesn't matter no it's like entirely just there to flesh it out maybe flesh out joyce's character a little bit more yeah but otherwise who doesn't doesn't want to go joyce doesn't want to go to college because she doesn't want to waste time <laughs> taking classes she wants to be a reporter i love her saying and... i'm not going to college i'm going to be a reporter <laughs> i was like yeah. what is yeah. your track what, what, what is the track here <laughs> yeah <laughs> or two could help do you not i feel study journalism to be a reporter <laughs> yeah you just no, you just go do it you just go and you you walk up to the studio with your microphone and say i'm ready to go bill <laughs> like what? <Yeah. laughs> i've got my astrology books i've got my birth chart 
Yep. Yep. That's why she knew she didn't have to go to college because she did her chart. Oh, there you go. She predicted her future. Yeah, she had like a a Mercury and a something. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yep. So it is such a treat. True. I don't know where. I think it's on Shutter right now. Yeah, I, and I hope so. It's kind of the pinnacle of killer kid movies for me. I have to usually and killer kid movies. I don't know. I get that same. I get. I get enraged easily by a lot of like just sadistic killers in movies where I really want them to get, you know, get paid back for being, Mm. for being like these little monsters. And especially that happens with evil kid movies a lot to me too. Um, and I don't know what it is, what's wrong with me, but in this one, I just had such a good time that I just, that didn't even flare up. I just loved, I was rooting for these kids. I was also rooting for Joyce and Timmy I was just having a free-for-all good time with this. Yeah. I think that's the way I am with all killer kid movies. Like, I'm never quite rooting for the kids because they're killing people, but I also don't want them to be stopped because I'm enjoying watching it. I guess I was rooting for Debbie in this one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, and you said earlier that Curtis is the ringleader. I think Debbie's kind of the queen bee, you know? Mm. She's got the scrapbook, and the scrapbook decides who lives or dies. That's true. <laughs> like, That's true. She does add people preemptively. When she pastes so. in Joyce's face, and then she looks back at Stephen and Curtis, and they all just, yeah. they all telekinetically know. <laughs> or yeah. telepathically. Oh, God, it's so good. It's a treat. It's a treat. It's, the fact that I, I love the whole genre, so. There's yeah. no comeuppance. I mean, Joyce ultimately fights the kids. They tie them up. It's really funny. Uh, Debbie gets away. She convinces her mom, who at this point has lost her husband and her other daughter, Beverly. Uh, she convinces her mom to leave town and protect her. And then, and then Debbie goes off and just keeps killing yeah. Even as <laughs> yeah. when she changes her identity as little Beth Simpson and says, I'll be a good girl now, mommy. <laughs> yeah. And there's a and dead she... trucker right behind her. Yeah, she killed him just for the hell of it, yeah. you know? Yeah, she's playing with a giant industrial jack next to this, like, yeah. dead body, <laughs> and her mom just gets her in the car. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of the genre, it's for sure. Really, it's really a treat. Just check it out. It's a, yeah. It's a blast. Yeah. I love them. I love them. And you know what else I love? Hmm. A 2009-filled film called Orphan. <laughs> what are the odds we're talking about that one today? I know. it's It's been a long time coming. It, I have wanted to re-watch this movie for years, and I just never like had an excuse to. Yeah. I've always so wanted to see it. I was so excited last night to put it on. And let me tell you, even knowing what happens, it was still such a gem and a treat for me. It's <laughs> it's an interesting movie. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. I love no. I loved watching it. I have some issues here and there with some things, um, but I loved watching it almost. Oh, it's, it's definitely got some issues. I have to say too, af- we've had some stinkers. I mean, we had some great movies during LGBT Revenge Month, yeah. um, but I think last week. <laughs> Last week was kind of soul-crushing. Last week we were up against two just mega dumps. Yeah, yeah. Just full-on. 
And this week is mega pumps! This week, I was floored with this double feature. It was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun. That's the thing. Orphan, like, it's an orphan to me isn't a perfect film. Obviously, it's got some issues, but it is just enjoyable for me to watch. Yeah! Oh! I enjoy this movie. I had so many, I have so many issues with the script, particularly. Um, mm. There's just some things that don't <laughs> seem to be justified at all uh but this just watching this testament to poor vera formiga being gaslit is (laughs) incredible yeah and let me tell you having heard having known your experience with this movie (laughs) in which you were so you've talked about this many times on the show you were so obsessed with figuring out the twist when you watched it and you were convinced. What do you want to tell the audience? In case many of our new listeners no, are I'm catching up. Have, I'm supposed to have standards. Well, all right, fine. <laughs> I'm supposed to have standards. So I went to see this, and like the the advertising campaign, like I think it's on the poster, is like Esther has a secret. Yep. You know, and so like they advertise that it's got some kind of a twist. So I, of course. Got out my oversized magnifying glass during the screening. And I was like, I'm going to figure this mystery out. And so they make a big deal out of the fact that Esther always wears like (laughs) a ribbon around her neck and ribbons around her wrists. And all I could think of, I was like, that's got to be a clue. And so, but the only thing that came to mind was that stupid like ghost story, urban legend thing. Of the bride who had the ribbon around her neck all the time. And don't take off my ribbon. And then you take off her ribbon and her head falls off. Her head just falls right off. Just falls right off. And so for a sizable portion of this film, I was convinced that was the secret. (laughs) Could you imagine? I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. But I was like, is she a ghost? Like, is that because they do a really good job of keeping you guessing up until they reveal Esther's secret. And if you don't know, if you've never seen Orphan and you haven't had it spoiled for you, do not listen to this. My God, go watch it. Don't listen anymore to this. Don't listen any. If you have interest in this film and you do not know the twist of it. Stop this right now and go watch it and come back. And you know what? Don't be Jason and spoil it for those around you. That's so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Pact, Orphan, The Visit, every fucking movie that I ever was interested in in the first five years of a relationship, he spoiled all of them. He now if knows. Someone asks, if someone asks for a spoiler, sure. But yeah. Don't just blurt it out. Yeah, don't just tell me, oh yeah, that's that movie where, like, just don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Especially when I say, I think I want to watch this. <laughs> right, yeah. So it was a real, tr- I mean, I could not have seen the twist coming, even if I didn't have such a cockamamie idea of what it was all about. Just, no one could see this coming. I have to say, as I was watching this film then, to that end, as I was watching this film, I, film is a strong word, as I was watching this, I was, I kept... <laughs> Somehow that infected into my read, even though I knew the <laughs> twist and I knew it was going to happen. I kept waiting for her to take that ribbon and her he- and her head to fall off. <laughs> also, to that end, how amazing would this movie have also been in an alternate cut where they just go, Esther, what's with this ribbon? And Vera takes it off, her head falls off, and the movie's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, it could be like Clue, where there's a couple of different Yeah, endings. yeah, bring that back. 
Bring that back for Yeah, us. say Esther has a secret. Which theater are you going to? That will determine which secret. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this movie. I want to live in the Stacy verse where that's how this movie ends. <laughs> ah, it's so entertaining. Even though, even knowing what's going to happen, it's just so entertaining. So I knew what was happening going in. Here's what I didn't know. I did not know that queens were featured in this film. Oh, really? Not yeah. not just Vera Farmiga, who I already knew was in this, who I love very much. Uh, um, yeah. But specifically, a queen I named my fucking cat after, Margot yes. Martindale. I was when I, I forgot that she was in it, and when I saw her pop up, I was like, oh, Anthony's losing his mind right I now. I was alone like, in the house, and I went, Margot Martindale? <laughs> like, <laughs> I screamed it out loud. My notes reflect that. Uh, not just Margot Martindale, but one motherfucking CCH Pounder? Yeah, CCH, sister, CCH Pounder. Sister, mother superior, CCH Pounder. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I was, I was instantly, instantly dead. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too, is this movie really sticks to a lot of tropes of the killer kid genre. Oh, yeah. Because it's treated like a killer. Up until the reveal, it's a killer kid movie. Yeah. And it sticks to so many of those trips. Like you mentioned Vera Farmiga getting gaslit. Like it just hits every note. But I think what elevates it, I think it makes it so entertaining, is the caliber of acting in this film. <laughs> Even like Isabel Furman as Esther is fucking fantastic. She's really good. She's she's actually, it takes a lot for a young actor um, to play that role, especially yes. to maintain it so that the twist works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's probably safe to say the twist, right? Should we say what the movie's about? <laughs> sure, go for it. So, uh, in a testament, I like this film because I read it also as a testament to um, just the hopelessness of heterosexuality <laughs> and family planning. Oh, for sure. Most of these movies are honestly like a lot of these films. Uh, like killer kid movies and possession movies and all of that to me are like the perils of like the nuclear family. Absolutely. So in this, it's long story short, Vera Farmiga and Peter Sarsgaard, who that's their names as best as I know them, (laughs) according to this film. Uh, They are a, a couple who lives in one of those overtly gorgeous homes that only exists in horror movies, that's on stilts with windows everywhere, the whole thing's made out of wood by Frank Lloyd Wright. Nobody understands how they afford this house. Uh, They have two kids, and they lost a third, and because heterosexuals will never be satisfied until the world is completely overpopulated and decimated, (laughs) they need to allocate their love for their third child that they lost somewhere else. So they adopt... A young orphan from Russia who is kept in a in a nearby orphanage where you can just walk in, talk to a nun, and go home with a kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's like no vetting, really. There's none whatsoever. Over time, we begin to realize that Esther has a secret, and something is up with Esther. Uh, she's really smart. She's mature for her age. Uh, she says "fuck" like you know, like 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 it's no big deal. Um, she wants to sleep next to daddy and she's a fantastic artist she's a fantastic artist and probably the world's premier blacklight painter <laughs> and esther uh begins killing people 
and bullying some people and uh, making some executive decisions to protect her place in this home and with this family. And ultimately, it leads into a giant, giant spiraling out of gaslighting with Vera Farmiga um, being uh, not believed any step of the way by her toxic husband or her evil mother-in-law. Um, and it all leads to a stunning conclusion where we find out the truth of Esther's origins. <laughs> and it's not that her head falls it's off. It's not that she takes off a ribbon and her head falls off, though that would be magic. <laughs> it's that Esther is actually an escaped um, asylum patient from an Estonian sanitarium <laughs> who has been pretending uh. to be a little girl because she lives with like congenitive dwarfism or something. And uh, so she's basically like kind of Gary Colmaning her way across American homes, <laughs> murdering families in an attempt to collect dads. She's a dad widow killer. She's 33 years old. She's 33 years old. <laughs> Oh, give it to me. You know what? This is, I feel like I just took a big shot of heroin. (laughs) I feel, you talk about that twist and the bliss just comes over me. Listen, Vera Farmiga, learning, getting that call in the hospital. She's laying in a hospital bed. She has been sedated for hitting a child in in a hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Like any good recovering alcoholic would. Uh, She... Takes this call where she finds out that Esther is actually this 33-year-old dwarf, killer dwarf. <laughs> and, and in that scene, she somehow gets up out of her hospital bed, gets completely dressed, discharges herself from the hospital, and starts driving through the snow to get home in the span of this one call. <laughs> yeah. Like any like any hardworking woman. It's does. Vera Formiga. It's Vera Formiga, who, oh, I love Vera Formiga. I love yeah. her. Yeah, I fucking yeah, love her in her face, and I do remember Stacy Ponder. I do remember a certain Miss P over here saying, <laughs> "Hey, so, uh, so what do you what do you find so special about Vera Formiga?" I just have to ask. Well, I wanted to know. I just wanted. <laughs> I just wanted to know. And I had a long, convoluted answer about watching her direct a movie that she made, and then watching her sing on Bates Motel, and how it gives me feelings. Um, but then I was excited to see that <laughs> that uh-huh. for my gizm might have rubbed off on you. Yeah, because I get a, I get a text from you from uh, the other end of the, the other wing of Gaylord's Manor as as we're both watching this in tandem. We we sync our screenings. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I get a, a message from Stacy that says, I forgot how hot Vera Formica was in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so ecstatic. I did. I had forgotten. Because I knew I was, like, into her for a little while. And it must have been because that was, uh, that was, like, the first time I had seen her in anything. And then I think the next thing I saw her in was The Conjuring. And you're more enamored with that iteration than I am. I was like, eh... And then I never really saw anything else. And But you love her so much that I was like, has she done some stupendous acting somewhere that I missed? Like, let me know. But then I watched Orphan last night and I was like, damn, I forgot how hot she was. 
she is. is. Gorgeous. She's fucking she's hot. Fine. She's gorgeous. She's a great actor so, too. Yeah, yeah. She's really good in this stupid movie. So you're saying like a rosary wrapped around her hands and like a, a neck length or, or like jaw <laughs> a dress that starts at your jaw, <laughs> all frills. <laughs> you say that yeah. doesn't do it for you? Yeah, versus like the loose hair and like I don't know. Black underwear, like yeah, uh, you might say a, a pianist who just stares at bottles of wine and then throws them out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, actually, yeah, that's true. Who's more in line with my interests? <laughs> you know? The super Christian in the like fucking practically a habit, although oh. hot and hot nun. Let me know? tell you, I mean, between <laughs> there are some hot nuns in this film too. Yeah. Yes. This cast, I was surprised. Uh, I made a note of like how many people of color are in this film. Yeah, which was very surprising to me, and it really feels like maybe we were starting to think about that kind of thing. Which I think uh, it's it's shocking, but for two thousand and nine, feels kind of early because it seems like we are yes. only beginning to do this in Hollywood horror films, like literally this year or last, like since Get Out. Like right, yeah. In two thousand nine, it's like well. The, the, the black people still aren't going to star in these movies, but we'll have more than one supporting character. Like, they're still all just supporting roles. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, only now are we getting to the idea where it's like, maybe we could have racial diversity, et cetera, et cetera, in starring roles. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, man. We just did, mm-hmm. I just did a, a 10-year screening, uh, anniversary screening of Drag Me to Hell just the other night at the Hollywood. Mm. Octavia Spencer is in that film literally as a background player. Oh my god, really? Every time they're at the bank and Allison Lohman is dealing with Miss Ganesh or with Stu trying to take her promotion, every <gasps> single fucking scene at the bank, Octavia Spencer is standing right behind her. Her desk is behind Allison Lohman's and the whole anytime it's just her reacting in the background. No lines, no close-ups, no name in the wow. credits. Octavia fucking Spencer. multi-Oscar nominee (laughs) Oscar winner Octavia Spencer in the background like exact same uh, exact same year 2009 wow yeah and now she's starring in Ma like things are beginning to change but that's like I mean at that by that point Octavia at least had you know had a very memorable death like she didn't get to talk much but she had a very memorable death in Halloween too Uh, right yeah and in, in Drag Me to Hell she's just in the fucking background Wow. Like, they're wasting that talent, you know? Yeah. 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 So, but Orphan, wow. kind of kind of ahead of the time in that way. Yeah. Yeah. There were, like, almost every supporting character, really, was played by a person of color. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. Like, so. Well, we got to feature this white family front and center it's... in their glamorous <laughs> right, palatial Right, that's the thing. Lodge. It's like, you know, we're only just starting to realize that, hey, maybe that family could be black. Yeah. Or Asian, or, like, whatever, you know? Yeah. But, I don't know. It was still notable. Yeah, and, and C- It's still notable. CCH probably has the biggest role after the, the parents. Yes, um, yeah. So that was welcome. Yeah. And Esther beats her to death with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then somehow pulls her body with that poor little, with poor little Max, because Vera and Pe- Peter have two kids. They have... Max, who's a just darling fucking angel, who's deaf, 
yes. and then there's um, Danny, who's just the little piece of shit son. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor little Max has to drag that CCH Ponder's body behind a bridge in the... S- Pounder. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not related to Miss... Oh, you are one... You are one letter off. So close. One letter you off. You are one vowel away from being a pounder. Yeah. <laughs> God. I'm, I quit. Preemptively. As it is, I'm only a quarter pounder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love cch she's great love her she's always the like the kind but stern police chief who oh, will yeah. give you all right i'm giving you 24 more hours but if you don't have something for me tomorrow i'm taking this to the mayor you know what i mean like she's that listen we all watch law and order yeah <laughs> yeah i love it love her uh, love her fucking love her uh, I love this movie. I love that they kill Peter Sarsgaard. Oh my god, I did not see that coming. No, usually they don't. You think about, like, Mama or Silent Hill, where the extraneous dude is just extraneous, and they allow him to continue to be extraneous and be alive at the end. Not orphaned, yeah. my friend. No, he gets stabbed and stabbed and stabbed yeah. and stabbed <laughs> and then and stabbed. he's dead and you think for a second i was ex- i had forgotten because i haven't seen it since like a screening when it came out um and so i was like oh is he gonna like sh- still be alive but no he's fucking dead man yeah i love it yeah he's uh his character is really interesting to me in this movie mm-hmm. uh he is a piece of shit yeah he is <laughs> Like, he, I have a weird relationship with Peter Sarsgaard, who I did forget existed um, before I put this movie on. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I remember being a, a youngin and seeing Kinsey in the movie theater. And I was very touched by uh, his full frontal scene <laughs> as, as, a, as a 20-year-old. I bet you were um, touched. I was touched and... Uh, <laughs> And I mean, yeah, nobody really wants to make out with Liam Neeson, but I was like, at least he's doing some gay shit, so okay. Right. So I have, I you know, I, I have a soft spot for Peter Sarsgaard. Um, and, and granted, I do have a, a type, which is sleepy, sleepy dudes that can't seem to keep their eyes open. Well, he fits um, that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I enjoy that about him. The first part of this movie, he's you know, just totally agreeable. He's just there to, he has no character. He doesn't really speak until 45 minutes into the movie when he has a conversation with Vera Formica. And then midway through the movie, he suddenly becomes very, very, very lethargic and very aggro gaslighty. Mm-hmm. And just is the worst fucking husband of Vera Formica. And for some reason just instantly sides with Esther in everything. Because Esther is a master gaslighter. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and somehow he just sides with Esther for, like, for no fucking reason. Right. Except, well, we have the backstory that um, Vera was a teacher at Yale. And she was had a drinking problem. And that's how... I guess Max must have fallen in the water or something and is deaf because of that. Mm-hmm. And then she lost her baby. And so Vera has this whole messy thing. So that's why he can't trust her. And this comes up time and again that Vera is not trustworthy. However, there's never any issue brought up with the fact that he cheated on her and didn't tell her until eight years after. Right. 
Yeah. Like when Margot Martindale and Peter, <laughs> let me tell you, I, it's, it's, it was hard for me to experience feelings of Margot Martindale better be killed next. Wow. Which never happened. Yeah. But Margot Martindale and the, Peter Sarsgaard staging that intervention for Vera Formiga because she threw out a wine bottle that she didn't drink. Yeah. And they, they list off all these reasons why she's not trustworthy. And Vera never, I mean, not to say that, you know, this woman has to speak up for herself in this moment of trauma, but like, she could have said, oh, what about you and your fucking past? Right. <laughs> that never comes up. Well, it came up if, when it came up. Yeah. It came, yeah. Just that one time. <laughs> yeah. So I was fantasized. I was, I was shocked at where this movie ended. Because it ends so suddenly. Yes. Um, and like basically with him being stab, 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 Vera finds him. There's a m- altercation with the Estonian dwarf, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, and then it. Uh, with all due respect to all our Estonian dwarf listeners, we love you, see you. <laughs> but um, and then it, and then it's Stover. Yeah. And like I wanted to see, I wanted to see her say, I wanted to see Vera go, Marco. It's done. You're fired. And then I wanted to see her serve Peter Sarsgaard with divorce papers. But luckily he was dead, so that was fine. It yeah, worked out in that That's respect. even better. Yeah. That's even better. No, I was excited. I wrote down, I am glad they killed Peter Sarsgaard. It really is I don't a shocking like it. move. It's a shocking move. It's First of all, it's a completely shocking move. So rarely happens. Um... Also, I don't like him. He's never done anything to get into my good graces. He's a very non-nothing actor. He's a non-nothing actor. Everything I have seen him in, he plays an asshole. So that doesn't help. I know that he just people aren't their roles. I know that, but it doesn't help. Uh, And then for this movie, I went to the press day for this. And it was Peter Sarsgaard and Vera Farmiga and Isabel Furman. And he had a cup full of ice. And every time, even when someone else was speaking, he was like rattling the cup full of ice and shoving it in his mouth and loudly crunching the ice while other people were speaking. (laughs) And it was so obnoxious. And then when the Women's March happened right after the election, his wife, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh tweeted out that he felt really excluded because it's called the women's march and is there any like can we call this something else because my husband peter sarsgaard feels really excluded from this are you fucking kidding me i am not kidding you did she also like heat up his tv tray and put a blanket on him too (laughs) yeah what fucking life are maggie gyllenhaal and peter sarsgaard living yeah so i only wish esther stabbed him again one more time Oh yeah, one more for that tweet. Like she, she holds up the screenshot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and stab. By, and by the way, stab, stab, stab. Oh God, <laughs> I love this movie. I love Esther. I love when she's revealed as the thirty-three-year-old, and they put like aging makeup on her a little bit. Yeah, she sits down and she takes off all. Like it's like that meth commercial where the <laughs> the hot lady takes off her face and then she starts smoking through her neck. <laughs> Yeah. 
she does that. Because Esther has has resisted going to the doctors. She's resisted going to the dentist and all of this. And so it's like at the end, she like takes out her fake teeth and she takes off her ribbons and her head stays intact. She wore the ribbons because she fought so hard against her straight jacket at the asylum in Estonia that it left scars on her body. Yeah, uh, and they yeah. put aging makeup on her, like like laugh lines around her mouth and all that. And I'm like, on the one hand, it's really great because also Isabel Furman is really good at differentiating before and after Esther physically. Yes, like with her physicality, like it does seem like a total. Like she takes off her, she's been binding her breasts and all this other stuff. So it does feel like an actual reveal. Yeah, it's really well done. It's really well done, but also the the aging makeup. I'm like, thirty three is not old. <laughs> that's how, that's <laughs> how old I am. I don't look like that. <laughs> well, also, I mean, she's not really keeping up, I guess. But she's not keeping up. Not, I mean, maybe it's a complication of her of her congenitive disease. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but man, would but she could? I was definitely. I felt attacked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, when she what? When she, uh, when daddy was finally home alone and she was going to make her move and she gets all tarted up. Oh my God. Oh God, it's so. She, she cuts the black lace dress and she's sitting there. She looks like, uh, she looks like, um, Bob Fosse's daughter at the end of, uh, all that jazz when she haunts him in his, in the vaudeville nightmare as, <laughs> yeah. he, as he dies in the opera. Yeah, table. or it's like Brooke Shields in Pretty Baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's just, and it, oh my god, and it, that is such a weird scene because it they apply like a drunk filter to the camera because he drank a bottle of wine. Yeah, and and for some reason it it's like it it's wilder than the visuals in Midsummer. Like <laughs> no, but no, being drunk, nobody looks like, sees like that. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like it, Peter Sarsgaard has achieved peak lethargic drunk acting. Yeah, where he's just like completely asleep, but staring at Esther and trying weirded out by her. It's such a funny sequence. Oh, it's so squidgy. Listen, I have to. I really respect Esther as a as a fellow daddy collector. I really respect Esther's <laughs> obsession with colla- having all the daddies. <laughs> like, and she keeps her. She has her uh, her ancient Estonian Bible. Yeah, that she, she keeps all of her much like Debbie. She has a murder scrapbook in her Estonian Bible where she keeps all of the screenshots of her daddies that she's collected and killed. Yeah, those are photographs, Anthony. OK, listen. OK, I, millennial Gen Z plus plus or whatever. It was a <laughs> they were photographs not screenshots on her listen. cyber Bible. <laughs> her cyber Bible. <laughs> Her, her pocket live journal. <laughs> her eye Bible. <laughs> her eye Bible. Oh, my God. She printed the screenshots out of her, what? I don't know, old-timey Polaroid. Are you happy, Stacey? No, they were just <laughs> photographs. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't print oh, it. Oh, no. Stacy has ascended. <laughs> my final form. She didn't print shit. Fucking CVS one hour developing printed them. <laughs> I regretted it the second I started to say it. <laughs> but now I feel complete. Okay, good. Oh my god. Yeah, so what are your issues with this movie? Oh, it was just like 
the script was like pretty solid in the beginning. I still, I still, my, I guess my issue was more so like the character motivation of heterosexuals. So maybe I think my issue is just heterosexuality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I had issues with the exposition, like how they, how they, how clunkily they addressed Vera Formiga's past. Oh yeah. With the mother-in-law just being like, oh, well. Hmm, By the way, in- when you yeah. were a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Remember when you were at Yale, when you had a drinking problem and your baby went deaf? <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't let your kids near the eyes where your baby is. <laughs> that was, I had issues with the exposition and then the, the sudden, like Peter Sarsgaard's sudden switch into just total gaslighty, uh, when he his character didn't seem like he had that initially. Mm. Um, but I also could have been blinded by uh, that sex scene. So I think more so, <laughs> more. So, listen, I don't like Peter Sarsgaard. I can't help that I'm for whatever okay. reason attracted to him. That's um, right. So more so though, it is just the the. Like, kind of like you with A Quiet Place. Like, the opening of the film, right, makes it, like, Vera from, I guess, having this, like, miscarriage nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so I go into this thinking, oh, this is her only, that she hasn't had a kid before. She's lost her only child that she thinks she's going to have, right? And then, okay, I'm filling in the blanks as an anticipating viewer. I'm thinking, okay, so she's going to go and adopt this orphan who I know uh, either is an Estonian dwarf or her head falls off. (laughs) So that's what I'm thinking. And then she wakes up from her miscarriage nightmare, and lo, do I find out that no, she hasn't lost her first child, and she isn't completely childless and needing to fill this void for maybe a character-based reason. No, she has two fucking kids already. Well, she said that in the dream, too. The nurse was like, is this your first? And she said, no, it's my third. Listen, was I supposed to be listening to that part? <laughs> I, was, I was Googling stuff. I was, you know, I was figuring things out. I'm, I'm just saying. You're right. The script does have problems when you don't pay attention. When you don't pay attention? <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> first line in the film i think well that's not a script problem that yes but the fact that they're the i just don't understand this like we need to have every child when the world is so overpopulated and we're all gonna die from i mean a litany of reasons but the combination of overpopulation and climate change is a huge one yeah uh and one definitely ties into the other it could be argued that it's a, an affront on the survival of the planet. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I just don't understand why do you need to proliferate. Right. Well, that's the thing. In most other killer kid movies, they would have a third baby. And then that baby would grow up. Then it would jump forward six years. And the kid would be troubled. So at least this one, at least they're just, like, they're getting that urge out by adopting, which is... By adopting a 33-year-old dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) It's one way to take to, you know, stop those feelings, I guess. Okay, you know what? They are, they're doing an adult adoption. So actually they're, they're forming, they're, they're fostering community. Yeah. 
They're actually so, like as the sort of heterosexuals who need to grow their family, or they're anybody's who need to grow their family. I think this is the best possible way to do it. No, they're being yeah. They're okay. Okay, they're doing it ethically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how ethical that orphanage is, but, you know. <laughs> Where you literally can just walk in and take a kid. It's like a pet store, you know. Yeah, like, oh, I found this kid upstairs when I wandered off to use the bathroom. Can we have this one? Yeah, you just stand there and watch them roll around in the shredded newspaper for a while. <laughs> and then you pick the one you think is cutest and you take it home. Yeah, pay no attention to the fact that Oprah's been trying to shut them down yeah, for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I like that part of it. And the, the whole plot hinges on the fact that it's an adoption. But I think that's I, I do think that's why I uh, and I think we spoke to this a little bit uh, before, but I do like I think that's why these killer kids movies are fun is because it is kind of a heterosexual nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there is a level of um, I think there is something queer and really sadistic but like a winking back at you funny sadisticness about that kind of sense of hopelessness of procreation and um ultimately generational usurpage yeah (laughs) so they're enjoyable they're fucking up the family units yeah all these kids and these dwarves and these dwarves who are not children at all oh my god i love esther so much so does she does she like wait till everyone's asleep and then she flips on the black lights and creates the real art? I guess so, yeah. I mean, those, she does like, a lot of things in secret. She does. She puts in her her flippers or whatever in the front, her dentures. Her flippers. She has fucking flippers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her full face of makeup. Full face of makeup every day. I mean, I thought about it in one of the scenes where she was in school, and I'm like, it must be a drag to keep this up. And, like, yeah, she's smarter than everybody else and already knows shit, but how boring. To have to associate with children all day long and pretend to be one. To have to pretend to be one. And, yeah, you might be, like, the gifted child in the class, but still you have to listen to fucking 2 plus 2 is 4 every year until you... Hoping one of these daddies will finally, like, respond to be into you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's so fucked up, this movie. She could have, I mean, she could have just changed her name, gone on to a dating service. Right. Like, somebody's got to, you know, there's someone for everybody. Um, well, I mean, the, the icing on the Esther cake is that she is also, like, mentally ill sociopath. That's oh, that is true. She has killed seven people at least before she even started killing everybody else in the United States. Yeah, it's not any of these other issues that are making her kill. It's her mental illness. So yes, yes, that's yes, yes. Because otherwise, she's just like a great artist, a piano whiz. She's really smart, and like she says, what's wrong with being different? Esther's just here to fuck up your heteronormative paradigm, bitch. You're right. I love her. <laughs> she's like a living Annabelle. Who she does things. A, who actually does things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Annabelle. She torments An- Vera Farmiga. <laughs> she fucks up. If Annabelle hair. was a little little daddy chaser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, look at that dress. You know she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and similar fashion aesthetic to Annabelle. Uh-huh. Those big, quilted, frilly... <laughs> layers and layers little and layers. Debbie numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. When she gets ready for school in her in her Estonian best. 
<laughs> Vera Farmiga laughs at her. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's great. What's wrong with being different, huh? Nothing. I don't know. I love it. Esther's a hero. I love Esther as a hero. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'm going to start putting on my frilly dress and my flipper. Do it. And I'm going to I'm going to go look for daddy too. Get your ribbons, bitch. Walk down the street and be like, "Yeah, maybe my head'll fall off or maybe it won't." <laughs> what about it? What about it? <laughs> I love this movie. Did you notice in the credits it was produced by Leonardo DiCaprio? I saw that and I thought that was a twisted. It's so weird. It's a Dark Castle film from those days. And Dark Castle was, was that Sam Raimi? It's the production they did. No, he's Ghost House, I think. He's Ghost Dark House. House. Dark Castle, Dark did, Castle all the, did like House on Haunted Hill. All the William, all the William Castles. Castles. Yeah. Yeah. 13 ghosts yeah yeah because this feels um, very not like a dark castle film well um jome colette sarah who directed this also directed house of wax oh yes and the shallows and the as shallows, well yeah. i really like this guy's movies yeah i have to say like they're all kind of in the realm of almost trash <laughs> but they're but- entertaining they're really entertaining and the acting is great in all of them mm-hmm. and they're really well made yeah i have to say i love this guy's movies yeah there you go Hmm. i love orphan i'm so glad i got to see it again i love it do you think it was a do you think it's a weirdly am i reading too much in this but do you think it's like a weirdly predictive cassandra of troy-esque horror metaphor for um russian bots and like eastern politics infiltrating our lives Or was that just the part where I got stoned? <laughs> Could be that, but sometimes stoner theory checks out. Just saying. And it's possible, you know? Because who's the one who lets it in is the shitty straight white dude. Shitty straight white dude, and he's the one that goes for it and empowers it, and his wife tries fighting it, but he doesn't mm-hmm. believe her. Mm-hmm. He won't listen to her. Yeah. And she has to what? She has to isolate she has to isolate the woman and she has to take down the black queen. Yeah, that's right. She has to knock a child off a slide. Oh, so good. Listen. I mean, clearly. This is some precious. I think you need to go to medium.com and write about this. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Vulture, sign me up for... <laughs> Let's talk about this that. This orphan fan theory will blow your mind. <laughs> They were all in Friends. Yeah. It was all Phoebe's hallucination. <laughs> and it's all about Russian bots. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, when you're on Facebook, think about how many of those, anytime you get a friend request and you don't know any of those mutuals, just think about That could be an Estonian dwarf. That's true. Wow, man, you're blowing my mind. Just saying. Just fucking saying. <laughs> just saying some very offensive things about people that exist. Yeah. That's all. That's all. That's all. It's fine. (laughs) Wow, what a week. I felt so good about this double feature. I loved it. Thank you for bringing this into my life. Both of these films. I truly, truly enjoyed watching them. What a good fucking time. Yeah. Bloody Birthday, a new fucking classic for me. Um, Yeah. Orphan, really, really loved it. So fun. you just want a good time. Sometimes you just want to see Peter Sarsgaard, like, 
naked and then stabbed over and over and that's like that's my politics right <laughs> yeah, like... that's me grappling with my identity like my gay yes. identity is like god i think he's cute even though he's fucking stupid but i like looking at him but oh i also like seeing him die yeah <laughs> And yeah. while wishing I was Vera Formiga. <laughs> because I love her so much. <laughs> do we have a listener question today, Stacey? Fuck yeah, we do. Fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> you sound so excited. No, fuck yeah, we do! <laughs> oh. oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Woohoo! <laughs> uh, this week's question comes from two people who kind of asked the same thing. Uh, Canadian Olivia asked, What is your favorite horror trope? What is your least favorite horror trope? And Mike M. asked, what horror tropes do you wish would just die? Well, these two movies got me thinking about tropes, let me tell you. Because both of them have a lot of tropes that I love. Like, here's the thing. Even the tropes that I don't like, if you do it in a way that tickles me, Elmo. Uh, <laughs> Trademark trademark uh then i'll love it so i don't know i couldn't think of any tropes that i just absolutely never again no thank you whatever there's a lot i could do without i'm just i don't know why i'm using so many words right now but i feel the same way because one of my favorite when i was thinking favorite horror trope i also it simultaneously ties directly into my least favorite horror trope yeah yeah and i don't know how to resolve those two right that's the thing although i did think of like one that I'm just done with. Oh, and I have three I that I'm just but it, done with. Even if it appears in films that I do like from the past, like that time has passed. Yes. Let's move on. But these two movies specifically brought had a lot of tropes that I really like. I I mean I really love the killer kids. Genre. Oh yeah, they're great. They're really great. Um you know, I love the whole progression of the plot, the way that like there's little hints here and there. You know, they, they're kind of starting to act up. Maybe they get mouthy or something. And it just, like, evolves into murder, usually. Uh-huh. And there's always the person who knows what's up. It's usually a friend. But, like, in Orphan, it's Vera Farmiga. Like, they know what's up. And they try to tell people. And they're always gaslit. Nobody ever listens. And if it's the friend who knows, then the friend ends up dead before they can tell anyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time. They also featured, um, Orphan especially featured, I love someone snooping where they shouldn't be, and maybe they're going to get caught. <laughs> it makes me so nervous every time. I, I just love it. Like, mm-hmm. rifle through somebody's drawers when you shouldn't. Rifle through their antique Estonian Bible. <laughs> yeah, look at all the printouts of the screenshots. <laughs> when you shouldn't be looking because maybe it's just coming i love it and i also love the um solving the mystery which is in a lot of asian horror films like the ghost films uh it's even in like thelma um where there's like it's usually like a, an old woman in a nursing home or the asylum or the hospital where you have to find out, like, I don't know. You know, I just realized I don't know anything about this person that I've been dating for 25 years. <laughs> I better call that Estonian nursing home and find <laughs> out. Like, I love the solving of the mystery. I love nursing it. Nursing home. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> She's 
is actually an 87-year-old Estonian dwarf. <laughs> That's the only way it could be better. That's the only way it could be. Elderly orphan. That's the only way. Senior orphan. Um, I want to sleep next to daddy. Daddy? <laughs> Are you my daddy? <laughs> I mean, the teeth would make more sense. The dentures. It you really know. would. Um, I even love it, though, like in the old films, like the changeling where you have to solve the ghost mystery because in oh, the, that's in one the of old my favorites. Fi- in the old films, it's like they had to go to the library and look at microfiches, which I'm really into. Yes. I mean, even like Silence of the Lambs does that. Silence of, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love a microfilm sequence. Yes. Yes. So I just I love that. I love um, a village with a secret. Oh, one of my favorites. Talked about that before. Villages with secrets. One of my- great in uh, every fucking piece of folk horror yeah yeah great it's great i love it those are like my absolute faves that i will just go to bat for it every time for sure yeah yeah so do your loves and then we can talk hates listen my loves i mean I, i i same like all of your loves exact same especially solving the ghost mystery oh fuck <laughs> i love solving a ghost mystery i love i love a killer phone call mm. i love a killer like i love a when a stranger calls when a, i love a scream i love a, a black christmas i love a call coming from inside the house um i'm such a fan of that i mean especially also being such a slasher stan like i just love that it's, it's so uh refreshing i love I love like the 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 bad shitty like punks or bikers that show up in those films. Oh um, yeah. They're <laughs> like, so tough. Yeah, they're so tough and they always look so stupid and they all get killed. I love them. Uh I love I love a satanic cult. Oh yeah. I love like a ride with the devil, a brotherhood of Satan, a Rosemary's baby. I love a satanic conspiracy. Yes. Um it just brings a smile to my downstairs. I'm such a fan. <laughs> yeah. um, to the the same end, I love, I love a mean girl, mm-hmm. and this is the one that is then now complicated for me, because I love I love Judy and Sleepaway Camp. I love um, Morgan Fairchild and Initiation of Sarah. Right. I love that fucking evil ass sociopath like just nightmare girl from uh jennifer mm-hmm. like she's maybe the worst i mean judy i said is the meanest mean girl of all time it's but jennifer, yeah. it's absolutely the one in jennifer she is a grade a like right up there with debbie and esther she's just a sociopath and she's a monster i love those characters so much and i'm such a fan of the mean girl trope um but it always and then conversely it always plays into one of my least favorite tropes is none of the women the women always fighting yeah. Or, yeah. like, they always have to be, like, catty to each other. Yes. Like, I think in Sleepaway Camp, there's still, like, there's the nice counselors, and there's still the girls that look out for each other. Um, but in in so many of those other movies, like, the mean girl just ki- kind of goes hand in hand with the women constantly hating each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love, like, in the final girls, there's a great moment, there's a mean girl, but there's a really great moment where they're like, why are we all fighting when we could be helping each other? Mm. And they all, like, talk about it. And it's so refreshing because, like, they directly critique that trope. Nice. Um, so, yeah. The, I, so it, it goes hand in hand. It's still a problem, but I love it. Just like, I, here's another one. And I don't know how to talk about this without getting canceled on the internet. And I was thinking about this with Drag Me to Hell. It's like a Mrs. Ganesh character. Mm. Like, I love... 
I love a uh, what might be called a racist depiction of the Romani people. <laughs> right. I love the wise, like all-knowing but kind of witchy. Usually, will curse people. Uh, that character, like in Drag Me to Hell, in Thinner, in um, Devil Dog Down from Hell, Devil Dog Down from the Wolf Man. There's so many in the old Universal horror movies. Yes, that I'm I'm kind of like okay. I think it's much it's safer to have that in the old old movies. Today, right. it's definitely more of a problem. Like watching Drag Me to Hell with Jason the other day, I was like, I mean, it's kind of racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah. she's also kind of amazing. Right. So it it's like one of those problems that, kind of like a mean girl, I enjoy it, but I'm aware of it being a, I don't know how to deal with or how to resolve it, you know. I think it could have conflicting thoughts. It's, it's kind of like when we were talking about Sleepaway Camp a couple of episodes ago, about like recognizing issues, but also especially as like queer viewers feeling empowered by these characters and like not necessarily rooting for the bad guys but also rooting for the bad guys like finding the witch to be a power fantasy absolutely like there are people who are just like well she's horrible she killed her whole family and they killed a baby and and it's like yeah also though (laughs) and and like you know it's also really empowering for me to watch this kind of thing so yeah i want to go eat butter with her right like <laughs> yeah like yeah. lady macbeth i mean all the I, I i can't wait for you to watch lady macbeth but so many people so many things I've, I've i've read about lady macbeth are people just talking about how sadistic and how uh this is such a horrible depiction of a woman and things like that but i'm like i love her right. i mean i i get that she does extremely horrible things in this movie but i love her yeah (laughs) and i love i love the severity of her choices because they're entirely helping her right um and like mrs i was kind of thinking that with mrs ganish i'm like well at least she's taken down the bankers (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's like taken down a fucking banking institution like yeah go her you know so i'm like i love i love a i love a i love i i my loves tie into my problems right well you love counterculture Yes. It's just sometimes the portrayals of counterculture can be a little racist or a little this or a little that. Yeah. But I can have conflicting thoughts in my head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not going to instantly cancel it. Right. I think that's the key. Yeah. Like, I like to I like to look at the shitty things and be like, well, where is the place of power in this? Exactly. Uh and then sometimes it just makes me feel good. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, isn't it, isn't it better for you and your brain and who you are as a person and all of this to try to, to like think about these things and to, yeah, try to find something empowering in it. And maybe it's just a piece of trash that should be written off. But if you just write things off automatically, you just kind of, your brain is going to atrophy, you know? Whoa, 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 whoa. This is getting really <laughs> political and I feel unsafe and triggered right now. So I'm just going to call you in, Stacy, to an accountability <laughs> process in our heart circle. Okay. Okay. No, I'm out of here! <laughs> Deborah! <laughs> <laughs> she whisked me away in her van. Yeah, she... she. <laughs> luckily, she didn't have to stand up to call out culture. Right. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> she, uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, th- least favorites. What are your least favorites? Well, slash what are what would you wish you would would just die? I wish 
what would just die. The one that I'm like, I don't know how it could be redeemed. Maybe it will. But in my eyes, I mean, like, uh, I just don't know how I could enjoy it. Is com- is Ghostface. The Scream? computerized. No, not that one. Uh, just the general Ghostface. Oh, that like has when emerged. everyone got After Effects in yes. the mid-2000s. The black eyes, the extended jaw, the what? Scream. Like, <laughs> yeah. I could never see if I like it was fine the first time I saw it, which was, I think, in Dead Birds. I don't know if you ever saw Dead Birds. Oh, I did. That's the it's like a Western, right? Yeah. Yeah. I never. Jason has that. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's not bad, but that to me is like one of the originators of that ghost face. It worked then in like fucking 2002 or whatever it is. And then, you know? But then it made its way into like every Asian horror remake. Every Asian horror remake. A lot of the, the shitty found footage films. All of them. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Like I could that, never see that again. What's that one with where they're in the asylum? Grave and Encounters. Get, yeah. That whole movie is just ghost face. Right. Yeah. After effects over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of mine are like little, that one I don't ever see, like, I don't know how I could enjoy that, really. Yeah. Like, no thanks. Another one was like impregnated, women who are impregnated against their, but then that was one where I'm also like, yeah, but you love like House of the Devil. And that, that goes hand in hand with every satanic cult movie. Right. Yeah. Like Rosemary's Baby and like you love all these films, but also it just seems like such a cop out at this point. Yeah. But then I do love all these. So, so it's it's a little both ways, I guess. Yeah. Um, same thing with like, I mean, like I'm, I'm a jump scare, like the mirror jump scare. You know, I talked about those, I don't know, last episode or a couple. Oh, when I was talking about the nun, you know, and like someone sneaks up behind you. Like yeah. I just, you know, like. Okay. Orphan. Orphan did that a couple times. Orphan did that a couple times. Where they would just like have a music spike, but nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they had, like, two or three in the first hour of a movie. Yeah. And some of them, it's just, like, if you could figure out a way to subvert these tropes, maybe in an interesting way, I'd be into it. But, like, honestly, it pains me to say it, but I'm a little over, like, the final girl trope. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, I think it puts all the characters in a box. Yeah. And I'm just kind of... But also, like, you know, thrill me. Like, do it in a way that's interesting. Like, that's I mean, fine. It- we also have a billion amazing final girls out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of terrible ones, too. Yes. But, like, yeah. I think maybe we've moved past that because now it's like our final girls are also the villains a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. At least in, yeah, we're in the, in the a, new movies a new, we're loving. Yeah, we're in a new era. Like, I love a final woman, you know? And so I could love a final girl. I think I'm just tired of, like... Like, I'll still watch an older slasher movie or something. But, like, something like a slasher that is so rigid about its tropes yeah and all of that i'm just kind of like we're past that i think yeah you know so i don't know yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i guess that's about and then one that i'm like i don't know i don't love it i don't hate it but i noted it it's kind of <laughs> it's like in every possession movie when the person is cured then they're fine physically Oh, oh, and they never have, like, like, okay, the end of The Exorcist, Reagan still has those scars on her face. Like, very, they're, they're very lightly there. 
Right. Like, she's got some marks on her, but also her head completely turned around. She should have died. Oh, that's true. I hear I was trying to make an argument for the exorcist doing it right, and she would be dead. <laughs> like, you know, and that's kind of the way it is in every possession. But you have to do that, because what else do you... So I don't, like, hate it. It's just notable, I think. But that, in, like... like you know, I think it was the taking of Deborah Logan, which I don't know if you ever saw, like... Oh, the snake jaw part? The snake jaw part! Like, how is she just fine? Yeah, I liked that movie, but that fucking... Yeah, the snake jaw, and that, that, that was a lot. Yeah, so just things like that. that. Like, the things that possessed people can do that go past the limits of... Like, they're still inhabiting a human body. And we can only do so much. It's magic. I guess it's devil magic. But then, yeah, they always, like, puke up the, or especially, like, in all the Conjuring and Annabelle movies, like, they puke up the entity, and then they're, like, and then they have their perfect CW glow back. Yeah, and they're, like, phew! <laughs> they're maybe a little sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I shit myself, but yeah. I look gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all the shit Reagan went through, it's, like, she should be dead. Yeah. Well, at least she had those, at least she had those little scars on her face from the right. crucifix. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what do you hate? I hate, uh, yeah, so I, like I said, I hate, um, I hate girls not getting along. I hate the women fighting with each other. I hate, I hate the, let's be, let's be, you know, I don't like the word, but let's be bitches just because we're bitches. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I think it's good to have a one mean girl, (laughs) um, (laughs) if you can make her perfect, (laughs) But (laughs) but otherwise, like, I just don't like, I don't like that forced like kind of a cattiness thing that happens it's, it's like kind of, it's black christmas versus black xmas exactly you know exact there is a difference there's a difference a very big difference that's absolutely that's very insightful uh yeah i i don't like it just feels like it honestly it feels like lazy men writing what they think women are like Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what it is. Um, usually, Because usually when women write these kind of things, they can have some tension in the friends group. They can have an alpha in the friends group, like Halloween. Absolutely, yes! Annie gives Lori so much fucking shit through that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and they're best friends. I love her for it. And but it's that, a real relationship. That's a real relationship, you know? So there is yeah. a way to do it. Yeah, so that that bothers me. Um, uh, rape revenge. I mean, I guess this is oh, less yeah. of a tro- trope and more of a genre, but like, it's just. I mean, I would say it never has to happen ever again. Um, yeah, I do think the perfection technically is a rape revenge film, and I think that did it really well. Yes. Uh, so I'm like, if you can figure out a way to not depict it, to not subject us through this unnecessary sequence. Um, and make it about that to a point that it's political and it's smart mm-hmm. and it's rewarding. Uh, but like what other movie is going to be the perfection? Honestly, right. <laughs> you know? yeah, we only get one. Yeah. That's a once in a lifetime thing. Um, I, I, I still, I need to watch revenge again to really see how I feel, but I thought even that was a little too much. Um, so yeah, rape revenge. I'm just over it. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to do that ever again. Um, interested interested to watch the new jennifer kent film one day um cat death Mm. i'm so over cats being murdered for no reason in in movies Mm. um or just being kind of vilified as animals like 
Yeah. There's a lot of, like, the spooky cat, or, like, you're talking about, like, you hear the cat before you even see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this would also apply to dogs. I don't think animals ever need to die in movies. Mm. Uh, I It just makes me really upset. I Especially, yeah. like, movies that actually kill animals, like every Italian film and every 70s film. Yeah. Uh, just unnecessary. But, like, today, I mean, I don't know, like, movies like, um... What was it? I was I was really impressed with uh, Crawl because mm. well, sp- spoiler alert: the dog lives, <laughs> Ooh, and that dog was a perfect. Sugar was a perfect sweetheart, and I thought <laughs> it took a mature filmmaker to not have that easy death, right, of a dog swimming through the water full of crocodiles. Like mm-hmm. you just, and it it was more tense because the whole time I'm wondering if the dog's gonna make it or not. Yeah. Um. The Shallows, also by the director of Orphan, let that fucking seagull live. But was I tense as all hell when she put the seagull on the floaty <laughs> and she was going <laughs> off? Yes, I was. Uh, so so I'm just like animal death. Like, just stop killing animals in movies. Yeah, yeah. There's never a reason except to be a gross person. I'm looking at you, Guillermo del Toro, in the shape of water. That was so gratuitous and unnecessary. Um... Also, the um, this is one that Jason and I talk about a lot, is the omniscient slash, like, mastermind genius killer that is completely mm. unstoppable. Yeah, that ties into one of mine, which was, like, I'm tired of sadistic games. Yeah, oh, I hate, like, a, like funny games. Yeah, I like <laughs> funny thinking, games. I, like I funny can't, games. I, everyone, a lot of people like that movie. I think it's well made. I just, I can't do it. But I don't espe- need to see it again. But. Yeah, especially the movies that follow that. Yes, yeah. Or Saw, like, you know, I mean, there are still people doing, when the description is like, eight people gather in a place where some rich person plays a sadistic game. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, what was, what was that, um, not Mandy Moore, was it, was it Britney Snow? I know what you, yeah, I know exactly what movie you're talking about. Where they all, it's, it's like a truth that. or dare or some Truth shit. or dare kind of thing, where they all sit around and they yeah. all have to like, like, shoot grandma in the eye. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm over that. I'm over, like, any kind of dinner scene that is remotely a take on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, no. Like, hillbilly horror, I'm over. No, never needs to happen ever again. I'm good. good. And the hillbilly horror, like, Jason and I were complaining about this, and Jason always rails about this, but, like, uh, how are the wrong turn guys, especially in, like, the sequels, how are they so smart? Yeah. For being, like, inbred, <laughs> like, they, they should be, like, not even able to walk. Yeah, they have such phys- physical deformities, but their brains are, like, super genius. They're master hunters, and they're, like, like Michael Myers in the worst sequel level, like, mater- they can just materialize in any place. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Jason in the Friday the 13th game. Yeah. It's just, that's just a little ridiculous. So I'm, and like, see no evil also did that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just over these, like, these killers that should just be fucking idiots. And yet somehow they are always one step ahead and unkillable. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's the only time it works for me is with a guy named Michael Myers. Yeah. And sure. also maybe Jason Voorhees. Cause he's like a weird fucking zombie, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Jason Voorhees always dies. The problem is in the next film, someone brings him back, but he's killable. They kill him in every fucking movie. Yeah. 
And that's that's also that's something I love about Chucky is like <laughs> Chucky always comes back and always dies too. But mm-hmm. like Chucky also always gets the shit beat out of him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yeah. Like in Child's Play three when he just gets his face sliced off. Like it is so funny. Yes. Uh, because it's like it's a direct parody of how like how powerful and one step ahead these killers are because it always works out not in Chucky's favor but he always <laughs> comes back anyway <laughs> um yeah so all of those also I guess my last trope I just hate boyfriends mm. get rid of them you don't need them we don't need if the, if the character doesn't add anything I'm done with the superfluous like like the like I mentioned mama earlier like the the male character that you obviously didn't have a purpose for in this script beyond a certain point but you felt like you had to have the male presence yeah no no the only time it's necessary is in midsummer so we can watch him be burnt alive (laughs) and i'm tired of something like mandy or that kind of revenge movie like with the women it's always rape revenge the women get their revenge because they were grossly violated for an entire weekend and that's the only way a woman can be violated that yes that's the only way she can be violated and that's the only way she claims power and goes on a revenge rampage Mm -hmm. the men always go on their revenge rampage because their woman was killed or raped or something 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 Mm -hmm. i am completely over the death of the female character to empower the male character yeah and that's why mandy we have said this so many times would have been fucking amazing if it was actually about mandy yeah if nick cage got burnt alive in a sleeping bag yeah which would be hilarious yeah he could scream about bees sure but then if mandy casts that fucking battle axe Mm-hmm. And she just killed... Like, nobody's ever seen that in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm done with that one, too. Yeah. 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 So get, nobody needs boyfriends. I'm thinking of you, Halloween H4O. Mm-hmm. With her shitty, dumbass dip boyfriend who... I'm, God, I'm, well, gonna... see, he's a useless character. He's they're, just... If, they're useless. If they have to have a boyfriend, then make it a character who's vital to this whole thing. And to has her. There, has there been one boyfriend that, like, did anything in a horror movie? I don't know. There must be one. I can't think of a one. Like... <sighs> Give me a minute. <laughs> I don't know. I there know, must be right? Some, there must be one out there I'm just not thinking of. But it's just, it was such a thing. Like, yeah, Silent Hill, where it's just obvious that they didn't trust that audiences would still be invested in this film if it was just a woman's story. Yeah, which how it was how it was written, how it was filmed. Yeah. And if it is a woman's story, she has to be physically punished first before we will follow her on this journey. She has to be a mother. Right. Uh, Which is that's, partially that's... why I'm so into like all, like Suspiria and shit like that, where it's just even if the women are shitty, they're shitty because they want to be shitty. You know. Wait, so you're you're talking about women's stories where the women aren't uh, symbols of innocence or purity, and they don't have any storyline invested in their reproductive value. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Wow! Does that, does Whoa, that offend political, you? <laughs> political. Does that offend you? I'm calling my friends at Breitbart. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, I am. I have friends there. I was on the cover, <laughs> on the That's screenshot. True. That's true. Oh, 
I'll print it out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I can put it in my killer in my, scrapbook. Put it in my eye Bible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, this week was a real treat. This really was. And also, I want to challenge listeners, message us if you can think of a boyfriend worth his salt in a horror movie. Yeah, no kidding. Like, who added to the story? And well, some of liked. them <laughs> saved the day just because that was the way we felt it had to go. Yeah, but, like, someone who's, like, you are invested in their journey. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> like, or he's cute enough to justify his presence. Oh, well, okay. I don't know. Well, no, you can send me those messages. But, like, I don't know. I'm just curious. Has there ever been a boyfriend that needed to be in a movie? Oh, my God. There must be at least one. There must be at least one. I can't think of any, so please tell us. Hmm. Oh, well. Miss Andre live <laughs> here on Gaylords of Darkness. <laughs> Listen, Annabelle's our misandrist icon, and we are just living in her truth. It's true. Annabelle, Esther, Susie Annabelle, Banyan. Esther, Susie. Oh, look at those. Queens of themselves. Thomason. And that's okay. <laughs> To go back to tropes, that's my favorite trope right now. Oh, for sure. Is is this new trope of women's liberation. Yeah. I love it. So hope good. It never, hope it never ends. So good. But you know what is going to end? Uh, this episode! <clears throat> wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.